of Ayup for August 19th, 2005. Aloha and bonjour. This is Ayup show number 22. Hey, uh, my name is Ryan, and mahalo anuiloa. Thank you very much for listening to the show. It's, uh, you know, it's just been bright and beautiful here in Hawaii this week, and uh, I guess apart from a few brush fires, the sky's been clear and the air's been crisp, and uh, I really hope to actually get some sun and have some uh, fun this weekend. As for this show, I've got a lot of news for you and uh, some music as well. As promised last week, a beautiful song from the ever-talented Polly, and it's worth the wait, I promise you. Uh, Jen and I will chat about movies, including one that didn't come in the mail, believe it or not. I've got a few more listener memories to share, and uh, I've got a couple of podcasting events that I want to let you know about. But first, uh, let's hit the headlines. It's time for... Hawaii of headlines around Hawaii and around the house. Hawaii's booming economy has been good to the state government. Uh, the state reported having a nearly $490 million surplus as of the close of the most recent fiscal year, 2004-2005. Uh, the budget surplus has now given Governor Linda Lingle something she can really champion and, you know, not annoy people. Lingle's really been smarting lately with uh, signing the transit tax bill, letting a property tax hike go through. Uh, she's thrown her full weight behind the increasingly contentious Akaka bill and basically giving her Republican colleagues ulcers. So now she's got something that'll help her act like a Republican again and, you know, for something that everybody loves, tax refunds or tax breaks. You know, we've just happened to have seen a, a flurry of surveys and reports that highlight Hawaii's high cost of living and uh, excessive tax burden, so doing something seems like a no-brainer when we have all this extra cash. And in fact, tax relief is mandated in the state constitution uh, whenever budget surpluses happen and cross a certain threshold two years in a row, and apparently that's what has happened. And they're even saying after this year, we could see another $400 million surplus for the current fiscal year. So, uh, there's all that money, and uh, you know, I think it's interesting to note that we have this surplus even after the state and public worker unions won pretty uh, decent raises recently. Uh, the teachers got a much-deserved, I say, 10% pay hike, but a lot of people said that was too much. But even with that, they're looking at a $400 million surplus next year. So that gives you a really good idea of how hot the economy's been burning lately with tourism on the right track and uh, businesses taking off, real estate certainly exploding. So uh, even though we were pleading poverty not too long ago, now again we're flush with cash. Of course, it's not a surplus if it's spent, so it looks like, true to form, that some lawmakers would rather spend that money or find some place to send it other than back into taxpayer pockets. And, uh, you know, to be sure, the, there have been some areas in the state where Money's been short, and things have really fallen behind. Our schools, primarily among them, uh, they're struggling with the No Child Left Behind Act, and their facilities, in many cases, are falling apart. We've had 
roofs collapse on kids. We've had asbestos dust. We've had overcrowded campuses. Uh, so there's one place where certainly an increase in the budget could help. Our prisons are overcrowded. We're still shipping inmates to the mainland because it's cheaper than housing them here. And uh, certainly, although it seems like every street now is under construction by state workers, there are still a lot of other streets that need a lot of help. So I suppose you could take that surplus and uh, find a way to spend it. Anyway, Lingo's going to try to propose something next session to turn that money back to taxpayers, a, a tax relief or a refund. But apparently she did the same thing last session and nothing became of that. Um, one idea that's come up several times that I think makes a great deal of sense is to get rid of the excise tax on food and medicine. That's an exemption that I know is made in plenty of other states. You know, it's one thing to be hit with a recursive or cascading tax. You know, our general excise tax is, 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 is compounding, pyramiding. So when you buy something at the register, you see your tax, but built into that is the tax that the store paid to the wholesaler, that the wholesaler paid to the shipper. So, you know, there's a lot of tax in there. Um, paying tax for a giant plasma screen TV from Costco is one thing, but having to pay that tax on food and medicine, stuff you need to live, you know, that's really kind of uncool. So, uh, and I've, I've seen figures that say that if we had that exemption, we'd lose $200 million or so in revenues, tax revenues, and that's only half of the surplus we're looking at. So I'd like them to try that. But what do you think is going to happen? You know, where are we going to see tweaks like increasing the standard deduction for taxes or exempting food and drugs from the excise tax? Or uh, are we going to see a big giveaway where every taxpayer gets 100 bucks to, you know, blow on whatever they want? Or are we uh, basically going to see supplemental budget requests and raids here and there to basically spend all that money since we've got it? I know what, uh, I know what my money is on, uh, literally. Speaking of lingual, and taxes for that matter, Hawaii residents are bracing themselves for the long-debated, repeatedly reworked, and still totally confusing state gas cap law, which is going to take effect in fewer than two weeks. Yes, uh, after years of hearing that our gas prices were the highest in the country, and after refusing to believe that, you know, unique transportation challenges, real estate prices, and a high cost of doing business had anything to do with it, um, after launching, in fact, a probe, a government investigation to find an evil conspiracy, a collusion among gas suppliers to artificially inflate gas prices um, and not finding anything, the geniuses in the state capital came up with a gas cap, a law that sets a maximum price for gas, except that uh, it controls only the wholesale price, meaning, you know, gas station owners can still do whatever they want. Oh, and uh, it also links the maximum price to a bizarre mathematical formula that takes into account gas prices on the mainland. Well, ever since they came up with this scheme, experts have pointed out that this gas cap might actually raise our gas prices because of the formula and how it takes into account mainland markets. You know, I think they actually had to rewrite the law a couple of times already because, uh, like, it was tied to California or something, and, of course, now they're paying a lot more than we are in some areas. And when you look at the formula, uh, which takes prices in California and New York and the Gulf Coast, you're going to find that the cap, 
would uh, actually be set more than a quarter a gallon higher, more than 25, maybe 30 cents higher than the price we have right now. A gas cap that raises prices, folks, only in Hawaii. Now, uh, Lingle has the power to kill the gas cap, but uh, she's really been emphatic that she wants to see it work or see how it works or how it doesn't work first. She says uh, even if gas prices go up, that's not going to be enough for her to kill it. You know, the only way that she's going to invoke this executive power is if something awful happens, like there's a shortage or government services, emergency services are severely impacted because they can't get gas. And, uh, you know, I suppose it's reasonable to see if this thing actually works in practice before pulling the plug, especially after it took something like, I don't know, five years to put it in place. But, you know, part of me wonders if uh, Lingle's actually hoping that it's going to backfire so badly that people are going to actually take it out on the legislature, the Democratic legislature that designed the darn thing. I think it's uh, just hilarious what's happening. You know, I guess high gas prices are something that everyone in the U.S. is wrestling with now, and certainly we've actually been lucky in America versus uh, some European and other countries. But our lawmakers in Hawaii basically decided that there, you know, there had to be something wrong. I mean... I remember visiting Texas and seeing 99 cents a gallon uh, when it was uh, unthinkable to pay a dollar 40 here and when it hit that I was like oh my god the sky is falling. So you know I guess our elected leaders figured uh, gas can't be that expensive even if we live in the middle of the ocean and tax the hell out of everything um, there's something going on so since they couldn't prove a conspiracy, they came up with this plan to make sure that we never pay more than what they pay in the rest of the US except of course, that there are now places in the U.S. that do pay more than we do, which actually kind of disproves a lot of the arguments that people were using to set this thing up in the first place. And what really gets me is, you know, lawmakers are saying that they just had to do something, anything, to try and reduce gas costs. And their solution is this bizarre bill with strange math, and it makes things worse. When another very simple way that they could have gone to lower gas prices was to reduce state taxes on gas. I mean, did you know that when you pay, I don't know, $2.50 for a gallon of gas here in Hawaii... Uh, did you know that something like 50 cents of that, more than that, I think, is the state gas tax? You know, if there was no state gas tax, the price at the pump would actually be something like a dollar ninety-five. You know, I'd wager that that's the lowest. That would be the lowest price in the country. Even if uh, they just cut the state tax by half, that would make a huge difference. And and certainly, messing with that tax that the state has in place would be uh, just heck of a lot easier than this bizarre system that tries to meddle with you know free markets and private private businesses uh, and you know we've got that 480 million dollar surplus so giving up i don't know 40 million dollars in gas tax revenues wouldn't exactly hurt that much it would actually help residents basically something that the gas cap probably won't do Anyway, on uh, September 1st, the nation's first statewide cap on the wholesale price of gas goes into effect here in Hawaii. And I'm telling you, if that gas cap raises our gas prices, I have the sinking feeling you're going to see it on CNN uh, in that weird news segment with all of the stupid pet stories and dumb criminals. Look at those weirdos in Hawaii. Oh, here's a quick story that caught my eye. I actually come from a family that's jam-packed with teachers and educators, and uh, apparently Hawaii's teacher salaries, when adjusted for our cost of living, are 
dead last in a survey of uh, 50 U.S. cities. Now, actually, you know, I just mentioned that our teachers got a 10% raise, but keep in mind, uh, things had been bad for a while, and 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 uh, we've had strikes and all that, so 10% was really more catching up than a big windfall. Uh, anyway, so this survey looked at our average public school teacher salary, which was $45,400. And uh, in those flat numbers, that put us at 23rd in the survey, pretty much right in the middle of the pack. But after you factored in what you have to pay to live here, our cost of living, our infamous cost of living, um, groceries, housing costs, and stuff like that, the real average salary, the adjusted figure, is only $27,000. And that's an average, so of course that means you might have a lot of people earning more, but you also have a lot of people earning much less. I can't imagine trying to live on that. Um, According to the survey, Pittsburgh got you the best bang for your buck. Teachers earn an average of $53,000 there, putting them in the top 10 in in the flat numbers. But when you look at the cost of living, it's actually much lower, and the dollars go further, so their real average salary was actually higher. Uh, their $53,000 are actually worth $55,000, putting them in first place in the survey. So, uh, teachers out there, what's your call? You know, you could live in Pittsburgh, but live comfortably, if that's living comfortably. Or you could teach in Hawaii, but struggle to make ends meet. That's a pretty tough call. And, you know, I've actually been to Pittsburgh, and it's uh, surprisingly nice. Finally, uh, in lighter news, I suppose, Honolulu hosted two snazzy Hollywood-style premieres this uh, week, both for big DVD releases, and both were held on the North Shore. Uh, The first was for ABC's Lost, you know, their hit sci-fi plane crash survivor series that's filmed here in the islands. Um, I guess ABC went all out with this party. They held it deep in a forest with monster sound effects and eerie lights and a stage made out of plane parts. The DVD of the first season is what it was for. It's coming out September 6th. And, of course, I've already put in my order at Amazon. I mean, as you know, uh, Hawaii Up was kind of a lost cast during the first season. Uh, Jen really enjoyed it, and we talked about it a lot. So we're really looking forward to season two, which starts on September 21st. It's going to be on an hour later than it used to be, though. USA Today had a fun write-up on the party. Uh, It gave a couple of tidbits as well on what's coming this new season, including a tease that while we are going to get into the mysterious hatch that they found, we're going to see that in the first episode, it's the third episode, I guess, that's really going to blow our minds. It's going to be airing in early October with lots and lots of answers. So I I certainly can't wait. And, you know, I really want to see how they're going to write Michelle Rodriguez into the show as well. The other DVD party was for the sequel to Disney's Lilo and Stitch, which is, of course, Lilo and Stitch 2. Um, And considering that this is Disney, I actually have to say I like the original movie. My kids love it. And uh, even though the cartoon series it spawned wasn't uh, that great, it wasn't awful either. I've watched a couple of episodes as well. So now the sequel is coming. It's going straight to DVD But although, well, usually the people who make the original movie don't want to have anything to do with these straight-to-DVD deals, the original team pretty much came back for this, which is good. Um, I think the only thing that's different is that the voice of Lilo is going to be voiced by Dakota Fanning. She was the kid in War of the Worlds. Um, So she's going to be the new Lilo, so I guess that means that her character is going to be a little bit older. 
but uh, you know, local cred folks, Tia Carrera is also back, as is Jason Scott Lee. And you know, I remembered that there was a good article on Jason Scott Lee a couple of weeks ago in the Star Bulletin, and it was about how he basically turned his back on Hollywood and uh, went, went native. But literally, you know, he's living in the forest on the Big Island now, out in the rainforest with no running water, no electricity. Uh, he's growing taro and planting koa trees. Uh, I guess he still does projects now and then, but only um, smaller ones uh, that mean something to him. And I guess his dream now is actually to make his uh, compound out there, his property, the Poo Moo compound, into uh, some combination farm, commune, and, and drama troupe. You know, socially conscious performers who create art uh, and also grow their own food or something. It was a really good story, actually, so I think I'll try to make sure I have that link for you in the show notes. Um, I guess the next thing you're going to see Jason Scott Lee in is Only the Brave. That's a movie about the 442nd Regimental Combat Team, the Japanese-American regiment that fought in World War II. And that's coming out soon, and I know a lot of people are looking forward to it. Hey, you know, we're more than 15 minutes in, so I think I'm going to skip those self-indulgent personal updates and get straight to the music, some great music. Uh, one of the very first musicians that gave me a chance here on Hawaii Up was a guy named Pali Kaaihue. He comes from an impressive musical lineage, but he's really made a name for himself, to be sure, and he and his band, Pali, netted several Hoku Award nominations, and, you know, folks just can't stop gushing about their incredible sound, so... This track is off their self-titled debut CD, and the song is called For You. It's a little over four minutes long, so please enjoy, and I'll catch you on the flip side. When I look into your eyes, I get this feeling deep inside of me. Deep inside. When I feel your gentle touch I go crazy and it's just too much for me I go crazy Through the years I will be right by your side I will be there for you girl. And every minute of every day I want to hold you in my arms So you can hear me sing For you So full of life, my love Full of life Like the sound of crashing waves My heart explodes when you're driving me insane All these things that I want to share with you Places and wild times that we can visit and find as we travel through this lifetime. For you, I think 
Cause I will be right by your side And every minute of every day I want to hold you in my arms So you can hear me sing off their self-titled debut CD. What a beautiful song. It just sticks in your head. Um, While this is short notice, I do want to mention that Polly's got a special performance coming this weekend on Sunday, August 21st at Brew Moon at Ward Center. They're going to be performing live with living legend Emma Veery. So if you love Hawaiian music and its history, you've got to check it out. That'll be from 6 to 9 p.m. Sunday at brew moon now if you want to find out more about polly you want to know how to buy their music or where their next show is going to be visit them on the web at polly.net p-a-l-i.net and of course i'll have that link for you as well in the show notes at hawaiiup.com now let's check in with the wife it's time for the pith of pop the podcast edition with my beautiful wife jen Thanks for joining us, Jen. Hi. So, what's on the menu this week? Well, we've actually managed to see three movies in the last couple of weeks. That's right. Uh, We saw two DVDs and an actual movie in a theater, Wonder of Wonders. What did we see? We saw Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. We saw The Pacifier and March of the Penguins. Okay, I think we're going to start with Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. What did you think about that film? I really wanted to like it. I really did. I heard a lot of good things about it. People were saying it's hilarious and fun and subversive. And it might have been those things, but only in a, in a small way because it was really trying to be something it couldn't quite achieve. I agree. I mean, I wanted to, to like it. I heard good things, um, but I just it really hurt almost about how badly it, it seemed to miss some mark. I mean, we weren't looking for high cinema. We weren't expecting Citizen Kane. We knew that it was a stoner road movie with gross-out humor, but even with all that, I think just something didn't sit right. No, it was trying to be two different things. It was trying to be a social commentary about the experience of Asian and Asians in America, and it was trying to be dumb and funny in a really gross way. And I like dumb and funny in a really gross way, so it bothers me that they took what have, could have been really funny and fun to watch and combined it with the commentary, and it didn't quite work. I felt like it was trying to be two things at once, and the, the two aspects really didn't work together. 
And I think it could have been possible to do both well, but there was just something kind of graceless and 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 flat about the social commentary side about the Asian American experience. I mean, you had uh, Kumar, who's an Indian, whose father is pressuring him to be a doctor. You know, we certainly wouldn't have expected that. And then you know, you have Harold, uh, the Chinese guy, who is a very successful but unre- but disrespected uh, accountant, I guess, or or a stock analyst. Right, the the two roles felt kind of like cliches. And I, I and I think that there's a possibility that there was an attempt to be ironic there, and that in one w- in one sense they're going to go down the path of the stereotypical race relations film, and on the other hand they're going to subvert it and and do something unique. But but really, if that's what they were trying to do, I didn't feel it. I didn't either. Although there were a couple things that I liked, I like Neil Patrick Harris. That's right, Doogie. Um, Doogie plays himself, actually. Um, Neil Patrick Harris plays himself, and uh, he gets a lot of good laughs simply playing against type. Right. He seems to get a lot of mileage out of that. He's done some guest shots on shows like Law and Order, Criminal Intent, and I, I like that he's kind of making fun of this whole idea of Doogie, that you know everybody's assigned this Doogie role to him, and he's really attempting to make fun of that. Yeah, from Law and Order, Criminal Intent, I thought that was a good episode he was into this film. Um, Neil Patrick Harris turns out to make a pretty good psycho. Um, and, you know, some of the absurd humor, despite yourself, gets a good laugh. There was the cheetah ride. The cheetah ride, the raccoon attack. There's, you know, situation after situation that it's kind of ridiculous, but you do find yourself laughing in spite of yourself. But, dis- but despite all of those high points, pretty much Harold Kumar didn't do it for you. Not really, no. Okay, well, what do you think about The Pacifier? That's Vin Diesel as a Navy SEAL-turned-babysitter. I liked it. It's not Citizen Kane. It's not serious. It's a kid's movie. It's very lighthearted. It's fun, but it's particularly suited to a certain age group. Pre-teens are probably the target age for, for this film. Yeah, for a kid's movie, it, it it's really enjoyable. I mean, definitely I would enjoy it as much as, say, a 10-year-old. And, you know, Vin Diesel as a Navy SEAL we've seen before, but not as a Navy SEAL who has to talk like he's on Sesame Street, <laughs> which was a little painful. Right. I mean, he is talking slow, and it actually looks in parts like he's thinking to himself, God, I can't believe I'm saying these lines. And it takes you out a little bit, but still overall... He does a really good job. He has, you know, chemistry with the kids. And it's actually, it's a really fun view. I think he walks that line well between um, I'm being earnest about this and yet also I realize that this is totally ridiculous. I mean, you you can enjoy it both on its face and as, as something that's slightly absurd. It has a really good supporting cast. Brad Garrett, who plays Raymond's brother, Robert, on Everyone Loves Raymond, he would, I believe, play a very effective villain in in a drama he's got this look in his eye this menacing look in his eye when he's doing his thing you can just tell that that he's far more than he appears to be yeah i love his character on anybody everybody loves raymond but that character is supposed to be kind of adult and a simpleton and although we do see that element in his bad guy character in the pacifier he carries with him an almost real sense of sinister motivations and darker nature, and uh, I thought that was I thought that was a nice touch. It was a really nice touch, and Lauren Graham is also in this movie. She's on the Gilmore Girls. Okay, not that I know anything about that, but she was good. She was good. I like her. She's r- this really affable, likable actress. She's you know she's 
got a, a really nice air and, and it's, she's fun to watch. Now, uh, Navy Steel as a babysitter kind of comes with some things that you're going to have to expect. There's the diaper changing as a totally toxic exercise scene. And um, my p- favorite part, of course, was the minivan as urban assault vehicle. That was kind of enjoyable. Yeah, that, that you know, it's somewhat cliched. You know, there are things that you'd find in other films, but I thought overall it worked really well. There are, though, some thematic elements that are not quite appropriate for a certain age group. That's true. We, uh, when, when we first got the film, I gathered the family around and we sat in front of the TV and put the DVD in. And the first thing we saw was uh, machine gun fire, fist fights, and exploding helicopters, which caused Zach a little bit of distress. So I said, okay, this is probably aimed at a slightly older age group than that. Yeah, and there's also a bit where we're led to believe that the oldest son is hanging out with a bad group. Yeah, they uh, pull a Nazi swastika out of his locker, and that's not something that I'd want to have to explain. No, you know, not to a seven-year-old. That would certainly prompt a lot of difficult questions. But the whole point was, in fact, that he was um, going to be doing a Sound of Music thing, and he was playing a Nazi. Right. But despite those uh, occasionally weird tweaks, I think that it, it is. It's a great kids' film and, and, and fun for everybody. Yeah, definitely. I would, I would see it again. And finally, the in-theaters now actually playing modern film that we managed to see in a theater was uh, March of the Penguins, a nature documentary about uh, the mating and child-rearing of emperor penguins in Antarctica, uh, narrated by Morgan Freeman. How did you like that film? Well, I like anything with Morgan Freeman. He's just got this presence and this gravity about him that makes everything seem very serious, but at the same time, very entertaining. He, you know, he never wavers. He's just steady narrating this movie and talking about these penguins. And you fall in love with them because he, he wants you to. He's really, Im- he's emoting, but not, ha- not overly so. And the cinematography is a wonder, and you don't realize that until you've walked out of the theater, but you start to think to yourself that the, these penguins live in the harshest conditions on Earth, the, the, the worst weather imaginable, and this crew manages to stay with these animals for months and shoot it and make it look beautiful. But while we as adults, I think, are watching and thinking about the cinematography and the poor camera crew, obviously... Um, the point is the life of these penguins, and certainly it's amazing. I mean, talk about truth is stranger than fiction. The things that they have to do to find a mate and to have an egg and to hatch that egg and to raise a baby penguin. Right. You know, they take three or four 70-plus mile trips. You know, the only relief from walking is sliding on their bellies on the ice. And they do this a bunch of times. And the males go without food for months on end. It's just, it's amazing, basically, that there are any penguins left. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the perils that they face, both natural and by predators, which I didn't even expect in that environment, um, you'd expect that almost no baby penguins make it. But fortunately, although we do see some lost penguins and lost eggs, we do see a lot of uh, happy babies at the end. Right. It's it's very uplifting. There are, you know, the animals in peril, and I'm not a fan of animals in peril, but there are quite a few happy, uplifting moments. And uh, certainly, as, as I guess all nature documentaries are meant to, it puts your own life into perspective. Yeah, when, when I'm whining that I don't want to walk my daughter to school, I remember those poor penguins that wa- are walking 70 miles plus. Waddling 70 miles. Right, waddling. 
Okay, time for the star ratings. Then, what did you? Uh, what would you give Harold and Kumar? Go to White Castle. Two. Two stars out of five. So yeah, not not one we'd recommend. The Pacifier with Vin Diesel. Three and a half. Yeah, lots of fun. You know, not high art, but but fun. And finally, uh, March of the Penguins, narrated by Morgan Freeman. Four and a half. Absolutely, an excellent film. Good for everybody. You know, not too many films you can say that about. Okay, well, that was our movie watching for the week. Thanks for joining us, Jen. My pleasure. I know that I say it so much that it probably gets annoying, but my favorite part of doing this show, and really my favorite part of doing all the dorky things that I do on the web, is the feedback, the response, the conversations and connections that uh, get sparked with people, with friends and folks all over the world. I loved hearing your messages last week, and I'm happy to say that we've got a few more. So, once again, let's listen to some of the good things about Hawaii, according to the wonderful, brilliant, discerning, and uh, very good-looking listeners of Hawaii Up. Hello, Ryan. This is Jennifer from New Haven, Connecticut, and uh, I'm a very big fan of your show. My favorite memory from Hawaii is watching the carp at the Hanamalu Cafe, and uh, on Kauai when I was a very small child, and I hope to be doing that sometime next week. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Jeff from Southern California. Um, the one thing I really like about uh, Hawaii is when the sun sets, uh, pretty much everybody around stops and watches the sunset. It's very, uh, very cool to see. So anyway, I thought I'd just call and tell you that, and today is my first day listening to your podcast, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Aloha, Ryan and Jen. This is Jennifer calling. I live in Highland Falls, New York. I'm calling in response to the question, what do I love most about Hawaii? Though it's tough to name just one thing, uh, I would have to say I love the no worries attitude and the aloha spirit of the people. Uh, I was lucky enough to live in Hawaii for quite a few years, but I live in New York now, and we could use some of that no worries attitude and aloha spirit over here. I uh, love your podcast. I'm so happy to have found it. Please keep doing what you do, and we'll keep on listening. Malama Pono, aloha. Aloha kau, uh, Ryan. Um, my name's Peter Foster. I live in um, Cheltenham in southwest England, and previously I lived um, in the South Pacific for several years in uh, Fiji and Vanuatu. I spent over a, a year in um, uh, Hawaii, including uh, a very enjoyable sabbatical at the University of Hawaii in Hilo back in 2003. And, uh, and Hawaii is one of uh, the only two places in the world that I ever felt at home, the other one being the Cook Islands down in the South Pacific. Things that I love about Hawaii uh, are the, the climate, of course, uh, also things like the sound and the feel of trade winds blowing through palm trees. And um, the scenery there, the ohia trees up on Mauna Loa, are particularly spectacular. Uh, the lava flows down in Volcanoes National Park. And I also love the scenery underwater. The hard corals there are um, really beautiful. And the black and green sand beaches that you have. Um, I love uh, lots of people that I met there. I met so many kind people, very nice people, um, including um, the those people that I know of as the uh, the Kona Drive community, and also the very nice people at the uh, Kona Community Hospital, where I left my appendix about two years ago. 
I love your show. Thank you very much for putting it on. It's kind of like a home from home for me. Mahalo Nui Loa for putting on the show. Hey, that that was great. Thanks for sharing those memories. Wonderful stories, and I really can't get enough. Um, and, uh, you know, I mentioned last week that I did want to hear from some women listeners, and uh, as you heard, a couple did step up to the phone. Um, both of them were Jennifer's also, which was kind of interesting. Um, so thanks for that, and as promised, I now have a Hawaii Up t-shirt here, and uh, talk about great odds, they're one and two. So uh, what I'm actually going to do right now is flip a quarter and see who our winner is. Um, we'll see, say, heads is Jennifer and tails is Jennifer. <laughs> um, heads is Jennifer in New York and tails is Jennifer in Connecticut. All right, tails. Uh, so what, what Jennifer in Connecticut is our winner. Congratulations. Uh, so uh, be sure to drop me a line at comments at HawaiiUp.com and we'll get the shirt out to you. And uh, to our winners from last week, I wanted you to know that I did drop your prizes in the mail on Thursday, so you should get them soon as well. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you a thousand times for listening to Hawaii Up and sharing your stories. Uh, I can't say it enough. I love it. Now, before I go, I wanted to let you know about a couple of local podcasting events that you might want to check out. And both of them are on Tuesday, August 23rd. At noon downtown, you can catch Podcasting Step by Step. That'll be a wonderful presentation by Roxanne Darling and Shane Robinson of Bare Feet Studios. Now, they've given many, many talks now, but this one is actually my favorite because in addition to introducing you to podcasting in general, they actually produce one right there while you're listening to them and asking questions. You know, it's one thing to hear about how podcasting is done and another to see it happen right in front of you. So that'll be a brown bag lunch at the University of Phoenix, which is inside the Topa Financial Center, formerly known as the Amfac Buildings, right at the Mackay end of Fort Street Mall. Then later that day, actually after dark, you can catch what'll hopefully be a fun conversation about podcasting on High Tech Hawaii. That's a monthly public access TV show that's aired live, uh, live with call-ins even, from the university. It's going to be on from 8 to 9 p.m. on PEG. That's Channel 55 on Oceanic. And then it'll actually be archived and streamed over the web from the High Tech Hawaii website. Uh, the show will be hosted by David Lastner, and the guests are... Uh, the unstoppable Todd Cochran of GeekNewsCentral.com and the Tech Podcast Network. He literally wrote the book on podcasting. And, uh, well, yours truly, uh, I guess, representing the indie hobbyist family den podcasting contingent. Um, so two podcasting events and more to come. And you can always see what's coming up at HawaiiPodcasting.com. And that's all I've got for you tonight. Uh, I've got a great weekend ahead. I hope you do, too. As always, I love to hear from you, what you think, what you like, what you'd like to know. You can send me an email at comments at HawaiiUp.com, or you can use that great Hawaii Up listener line at 808-356-0127. You know, I really enjoy including listener contributions, so really, if a thought strikes you, just pick up the phone and give me a ring. I'd like to say a big mahalo to Akamai Brain Collective for providing us with our great theme music, and I'd especially like to thank you, yes you, for letting me into your ears this week. 
Do check out the site at HawaiiUp.com. Uh, hey, come over to HawaiiThreads.com, talk story. And uh, please take care, everyone. Ma Lama Pono. Until next time, uh, hui ho.